my goal has always been to be like a food and travel show host. That's mm-hmm. like my main goal. Like I want a Netflix show. And this has just enabled me to build out my dream by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, people close doors on me all throughout my 20s of being like, you know, you know, we don't, we're not going to give you a show. We, we don't want to take the meeting. We don't want to do this. So, okay. I don't, can I curse? Yeah, yeah fuck, of course. Fuck you guys. I'm going to do it <laughs> my damn self. I'm Sheldon here with Waleezy and Tony Mass in the Warm Up Podcast Studio. Boys, do we have a special guest or what? This may be the Aaron Judge of the Yankees to New York food and travel. This really is. This is a big special guest we have. You missed it, Danny. When you were outside the room, me and Tony were literally fanboying. Yeah, I fanboyed hard. <laughs> fanboy, yeah, I got man. my fanboy out of the way. You can get yours out now. Yeah, I feel so relieved. But honestly, if you've seen any good food on Long Island on social media, you've seen it through this person. He's probably stopped at every good restaurant on Long Island, in New York, around the world. He travels everywhere. It's the Grub Father, Sal D. Benedetto. What's up, Sal? Yo, what's going on, guys? And thank you very much for having me on. And, you know, listen, I got to say I'm a fan as well. I've checked out a few of the episodes, and you guys know what you're doing. So kudos to you as well. I appreciate that. That's high praise. And uh, we wanted. there's so much we want to talk about. Obviously, we're going to go into food. One of the big things that we talk about on this show is that we meet with successful New York and Long Islanders, and we want to know, how did they get to that spot? What was your first moment, or what was that first moment where you thought, maybe I should create this page? So I was a waiter my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I got started, actually, at street fairs with my parents. They do pina colada stands and lemonade stands oh my god like san janeiro and uh yes you know any street fair you could think of in the city we were probably there doing that so that's how i like really got into building my personality especially dealing with other people because i'm like you know two dollar pina coladas you know free refills who wants one so dealing with people all over new york city is a whole beast of itself especially when you're like six years old (laughs) pipping yourself out on the street (laughs) selling lemonades but um (laughs) when i was able to start working i got a job in a restaurant started as a dishwasher to a busboy, eventually became a waiter. And, um, you know, I carried that with me from high school into college, past college. So when Instagram first started coming up and people were building this big following and it's kind of like reminiscent of what I see with TikTok now, how people are like, I got to get on TikTok. I got to build this huge following. I got in probably on like that third wave of Instagram. Um, But my whole goal was to turn the page into being um, kind of like a waiter to the world. Mm. So not only now could I present people with dishes at I don't know, uh, Brooklyn Commune where I worked, it was like, now I could show you a sushi dish from Aji. I could show you a burger from this spot. So I kind of took it as being like um, a waiter to a much bigger audience. Yeah, it does feel like there is customer service where it feels like, how can there be customer service on social media, right? You have to be (laughs) interpersonal, but it really does feel like we're part of the story. It feels like we're invited to the the dinner table with you. And it's it's a good feeling because you're getting multi-layers and learning about the food and learning about the restaurants. Now, taking us to like long Island food in general. What are some of the things that, before we go into that journey again, what are some of the things that you think define Long Island or New York food in general? So I think that the underbelly of Long Island's food scene is really yeah, rooted in being Italian-American. Yeah. Uh, whether or not you're Italian, you, if you're from Long Island, you kind of are Italian. Everyone's a little bit. Yeah. You know? Because you grew up on the pizza. Everyone has their local pizza joint that has the best slice, you know? And everyone has their chicken parm hero that they go for. And uh, the pasta, it's just, you know, for me, I, I find that Long Island's food scene is heavily vested in Italian food. Mm. Um, and I think that we're starting, and especially now with like COVID and um, how kind of the city's culinary landscape is shifting, you're going to see a lot of chefs and a lot of people start heading out this way. So give it two years, and I think you're going to see a lot of interesting experiences coming to Long Island. Um, but, you know, we are big on Italian-American, and if you no. go to my page, I'm sure you could get the sense that that's definitely a big scope. But, um, you know, burritos, too, and, and tacos, and heroes, sandwiches, that's kind of what I find to be the Long Island experience. It's not so much about fine dining um, and, you know, fancy sit-down restaurants. We're about, you know, grab a sandwich, go to the beach, grab your pizza, hang out at the pool with your friends. That's where I see Long Island right now. 100%. I was reading that you got your first start, and your first, like, sponsored promotion was through a restaurant that you were at and you um, essentially they kind of gave you the opportunity to take what you know and what you're good at and kind of build on what they're 
foundation was. Was that kind of the window into the Grubfather? Yeah, that was the window into the Grubfather and then also just becoming an entrepreneur because so many people are on social media and you could see someone, um, you know, take like, uh, someone who is like thirst trapping, right? Mm -hmm. And they're putting up a picture of them in a bathing suit. They know they have a killer body. They're gonna get, you know, 5,000 likes and they only have 15, you know, 1,000 followers, let's say, or even 20,000, but you're like, wow, their engagement rates are sick but they don't have like a scope or anything they're doing that's making them money. Mm -hmm. So they could get as many likes as they want. Instagram's never gonna pay them for anything. Brands aren't gonna pay them for anything unless they kind of move into this influencer world. Now that's great and you know, being an influencer or getting paid sponsored posts is awesome, but that's, that's not enough to sustain anyone in my opinion mm -hmm. um, because that's way too come and go, touch and go. For me, I wanted to build something that had longevity, so I started my company, which is the Connect Agency. Yeah. So what we do is we do all of the social media marketing for restaurants. So me and my team will actually handle their Facebook, handle their Instagram, create the photos and the videos they're using on their social media, update their you know different platforms, um, and they're on a monthly retainer. So mm. my clients sign with me for six to 12 month contracts, and I never lose them. I've been with most of my clients for two years. I have a full on business. Yeah. It's making killer money. Yeah. So I never have to rely on like, I hope that you know this fast food joint reaches out to me to do a sponsored post this month <laughs> or, you know, that's great and all, I'm not knocking that, but you have to kind of build longevity. That's yeah. what I always think. And um, that was my way of creating my own foundation. Yeah. And that restaurant did open that door for me. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of people who want to follow in your footsteps, I feel like with you and you know, you know, people who look towards like Gary Vee and those people who want to be, uh, control their own destiny in terms of career and would do what they love and how to make money off of it. So a lot of people do look at you and say, wow, this is like, oh, a guy from a town over found the formula to do it. And um, it's really cool to see. That's that's really awesome. And that's a good, that's a good component of social media too is that you need to have different pipelines of bringing in revenue you can't oh, just yeah. rely on on one another thing that you did mention that which is good news obviously the people that you do work with you only work with people who bring out quality food so it's not like oh, yeah. you're just pushing out oh because i work with this person you know their food's amazing no you have the integrity in terms of what you put out how does that interaction happen do you reach out or do they reach out to you or is it kind of a at this point now my DMs are just filled. <laughs> DM, DM, yeah. Yeah. Yo, come through. Yeah. Um, there's probably like 30 but for me. Like, so initially from the from the early years, maybe three, four years ago, and this is all kind of starting to kick off. Um, how did that first start? Like you starting to you you hitting up restaurants like hey, like Yeah. It's interesting. I was actually just saying this earlier today that when you're a content creator, you have to be a salesman, a producer, a director, uh, you know, a follow-up person. It's crazy the amount of work you do. It's a lot and a lot of, of people just think, oh, they just take a picture and you know, it's like <laughs> no, you have no idea what goes into it. Um, and especially vetting out quality is one of the most important things. And I, I, I determined that would have to be a huge part of my brand from the get-go. Because for me, um, you know, of course I get free food and, you know, a lot of food comes my way and it's easy to, to take um, that for granted. But what I never wanted to do was, how do I say it? Like, I never wanted to get away from the fact that some people only are able to go out once a month mm. because their budgets only allow it once a month. Right, so this couple might only be able to go on one date night a month, and if they're gonna use me as a source or trust me, and then I send them somewhere that's absolute that's not, shit, yeah. they'll never trust me again. I wasted their money that they worked hard for. So for me, I'm only putting things out that I think will give um, a guest a valuable experience, something they'll enjoy, and that's why I kind of take pride in, like if you go on my page, there's all different types of things you could go to. You know, I have cool bars, I have pizzerias, there's taco shops. Um, so the, the vetting process is definitely something that is... I think that's important. like an awesome, like genuine quality that like a lot of influencers just across any spectrum is like willing to just kind of throw them... At least I feel like I don't know them personally. To you feel like you, there's just like an oversaturation of, of content and different, like a wide spectrum of things. But to have that kind of... To know that there is a vetting process behind there is, mm -hmm. is comforting. As some of that like kind of does rely on your page at times. Other thing that I just also want to say too is that some people get into food blogging simply just to get free meals, mm. which is you know bullshit in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because where's your passion? You know what I mean? You're just mm. using it as a meal ticket. Because of course, you know anybody, even about a year ago, anyone could have started a food page, got five thousand to ten thousand followers, and use that as like a free meal ticket to just get some free meals around. But it's like if you're good at what you do and you're really wanting to promote great restaurants. I want to get paid for my work and I also want to provide you with value. You know, you're going to get increased revenue 
I'm going to, you know, feed my mouth and my pockets. Um, but at the same time, too, everyone's going to be happy because the guests are happy going there. This person gets their message out. And, you know, I get compensated for my work because if you're good at what you do, you should always be compensated. And that's I'm that's, just very curious about your take on Yelp reviews. Um, <laughs> I think that there's a time and a place for them. I think that if you are a genuine reviewer and you have a very good sense of, um, personal integrity and you're not just someone who's looking to rip someone apart because you had a bad experience, then, you know, they can be helpful, but I stay away from Yelp personally. It's mm -hmm. not my, uh, it's not my thing. It, there's just, the algorithm's bizarre. They like withhold like certain comments. Oh yeah. And then there's just like, most people go on there for like one reason, to bitch and complain. Yeah, it's just a complaint so department it's, pretty much. I used to be a big Yelp reviewer. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. yeah. I, I said but that. I, but I was like, did you find yourself getting like, if you had, like, if, did you find yourself getting entitled in the sense where it's like they didn't fill my water up the second time oh, that no. quick. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm noting this. Yeah, you're going to crown on your head all the time. Oh, that's my I'm the person who will, like, if I get, like, a, a shitty meal from a restaurant, I'm so afraid to be like, this is shit. I need it. Right. I, I'll, just, I'll just bite the bullet and eat it like it was tasty. I know I would never go on to, like, this place sucked. It smelled like shit. The food was whatever. I just love reading the post-COVID complaints of yeah. like time and things like that i'm just like you're just like so oh yeah people are living in a you know <laughs> yeah. most people live in like an alternate reality yeah but it's, yeah it's just, what i always find interesting is that if you have a bad experience or you don't like your meal in the first few bites why not just let the restaurant know right yeah. at that moment yeah. do them that justice of saying hey listen mm -hmm. you know i'm just going about this respectfully but uh the chicken sucked you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You have to do that because if you don't give a restaurant the opportunity to fix its problem right then and there, you don't know if they're going to fix it, number one, right. or what their actual attitude towards uh, genuine complaints are. Because if they come at you like, well, we think our chicken's great. Well, you're a little pompous and like, you know, now I really will never come back Right, here. exactly. You know, so. You just inspired me to actually say something. <laughs> no, you definitely have to say something. Yeah, I have to. No, you're right. You, you, that's a great point. Seriously, that's number one. That's someone who works in restaurants. Yeah. Do not leave the restaurant and then complain. Yeah. Just tell it straight up right there in a respect, respectful way and nobody would ever have a complaint. Right. So from waiter to chef, because I was a server too. When you go back into the kitchen today, hey, table forty-three, the guy said your steak sucked. Yeah. What's the response? If you get back? Yeah. So I'm, Ooh, I've gotten some crazy responses. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's hopefully like a good chef or like someone that's actually invested. Because I've only worked at restaurants where it wasn't like an executive chef or like someone that was actually had ownership and everything. So it was a little different. But I know they would just be like, ah, fuck. Well, it's kind of like a chef's job to like torture waiters every now and then. You know, it's just like <laughs> it comes with the territory. How are you at torture? So some of them would just like you know give you the, the glare, and you're just like. But you know, you got again. I always go through life with this idea of like you know it takes a lot to offend me. It takes a lot to offend me. You know, so it's like yeah. look, you want to be mad behind your little station over there. You go for it. I'm still gonna bring the people their damn food. I'm getting my damn tip, and we're moving on from here. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so like. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> there are people where it's like, I'm putting you in the John Taffers and like uh, the Dave Portnoy's where when they show up to a pizza place or when they show up to a restaurant, people are like, oh. Yeah. You know, they're like yeah. happy you're here. They're like, uh-oh, is this person gonna... But see, they have that element of surprise. So like, you know, I have so much respect for what um, Portnoy does and, you know, he's... I think he's built an incredible brand and I think it's right on par with Barstool and all of that. Uh, but it's just, I have a different approach. Like yeah, the restaurants yeah. know I'm coming in. Mm -hmm. So like I'm working with them. But what I will tell you is that during the vetting process prior to me agreeing to work with them, I'm scouring through Google reviews, Yelp reviews, seeing is this place good because if they don't have you know, a four and higher, I don't even really want to bother like Associate. wasting my time through all of this. Yeah. And then, you know, what I'll usually do is do like a secret thing where I'll send someone to go pick up the food, bring it back, yeah. taste it. They don't know that it's me tasting it. And then I'm like, all right, this is good. It's cool. You have little scouts that go out. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. But you know, that's, it's different lanes, you know, yeah. he's a reviewer, right? You know, I'm, I'm not so much a reviewer cause I would never give anybody a bad review. I'm not taking away from it. Right. It's just that not my sense. style, you know, because uh, my goal has always been, especially when I moved back to Long Island, was how can I just make a positive impact on this industry on Long Island, which is like, you know, food and travel. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to make sure that anything I do is is 
aiding and plus signs for people who deserve it. If I don't like your food, fine. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to recommend anyone go there. You're going to go out of business because you suck anyway. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be the natural evolution. You're not going to bash it on your page. No way. Now, do you have family members who come up to you and are like, can you, I know you're not in the review business, but are they looking for like a sense of like credibility by asking you how food is or just like friends and stuff like that? Oh yeah, Yeah. definitely. Would you eat here? Like people ask Yes, definitely. (laughs) And I mean, you know, I, I give people straight up answers. You know, I don't, I believe that the truth will set you free and everything. Sure. So for me, it's like, if your food sucks, I'm going to tell you. All right, I'm going to name my favorite restaurant. I need your honest opinion. All right. Rustic Root and Woodbury. I don't think I've ever heard of it. All right, write it down. Rustic Root. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really good? Farm to table, excellent oh. food. Yeah, good, good stuff. Okay. Great desserts. It's all crafted by the same chef. It's really good. Adding it to my list for sure. What is, what is your, I know I don't know if I'm going to myself, but what is your favorite restaurant? <laughs> I think that every restaurant, every experience has its time and its place. You know, for instance, like if I'm just like chilling out on my couch and like editing photos or binging on a Netflix show, it's got to be like Nas's Halal. You know what I mean? Like well, that's coming in at 1 a.m. It's always good. It always does what it has to do. Yeah. So, but obviously that's not my favorite restaurant. Yeah. For that time and place, it's my favorite restaurant. Um, I think that uh, there's something to be said about a place called uh, Long Island Pecking, which has incredible soup dumplings in Babylon Village. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that uh, Rust and Gold in Huntington has really great cocktails, a cool, very curated experience. There's a place in St. James, actually, close by here, that's called the Trattoria, and they have a really great Italian menu that kind of takes classics, gives them a little bit of a spin. Um, but I have so many, like, you know, restaurants in my head. Yeah. It's hard for me to really, like, spit them out. Like bring it up by St. James though. has like a sneaky good, oh, yes. good food yeah. scene. They sure Very do. Very sneaky good food scene in St. James. But my favorite restaurant in the world is actually a restaurant in Sicily. Um, my cousins own it. It's in a town called Porto and Beto Clay. Is that a little biased or not? <laughs> to be honest with you, the things that I had to go through to get to that little restaurant when I went to Sicily, you wouldn't believe. Like, I hitchhiked to get there. It was ridiculous. Wow. And let me tell you, I went back a second time and hitchhiked the second time. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was like that. In Sicily, it's like, oh, do you know where uh, Carmela's restaurant is? Oh, Carmela on the hilltop. Yeah, hop in the back. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's like one of those things. But uh, that is my favorite restaurant in the world. At the core of it, what is your favorite aspect of your having an account, that food and travel account? and having clients that in the food business. Because I know you, you do a really amazing job at taking pictures and content and, and developing those. Is that still something that you enjoy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, the moment, I, to quote Drake, the moment I stop having fun with it, I'll be done with it, mm. you know? Because it's the truth. If, yeah. I, if I wasn't enjoying it anymore, I wouldn't do it. I would move on to something else. Yeah. Um, what I will say is that it has become a little bit like mechanical mm-hmm. in some aspects. Yeah, there's some days where I'm on a food shoot and I'm just like, all right, here we are. <laughs> you know, but then I like have to check myself and be like, you know, this is such an incredible business and, and what you, you know, I built my dream out. So it's like I have to always take a step back and learn to appreciate it again, which I'm, I'm pretty good at doing. Um, it is something that I do love. My goal has always been to be like a food and travel show host. That's like my main goal. Like I want a Netflix show. Um, and this has just enabled me to, uh, how do I say, like build out my dream by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, people close doors on me all throughout my 20s. So being like, you know, you know, we don't, we're not going to give you a show. We, we don't want to take the meeting. We don't want to do this. So, okay. I don't, can I curse? Yeah, yeah fuck, of course. Fuck you guys. I'm going to do it <laughs> my damn self. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need you to tell me that I can't do something when I can have, in the day and age we live in, where we can build our own platforms like you guys are doing, you're not going to tell me no. Yeah. You know, I'll, the only person who could stop me is me. You know, everyone has something in their head, whether it's like, you know, something someone people said, whether it's a negative comment, they want to prove them wrong, or a positive comment, you want to prove them right. Yeah. Or is it the dream of having your show? Is that the thing that keeps you going? Is that the ultimate goal yes, for you? Yes. Yeah. And I'm closer than I've ever been. I would imagine. Yeah. Like you're crushing close. it, dude. Like, yeah. we're talking really close. Cool <laughs> Are we talking like exclusive deeds close? Like, you can tell us. But you're, I'm sure you're just taking Nothing meetings is, and stuff. Yeah. I, I've had a series of meetings, and I definitely, um, there are some. Thing that is like I'm feeling really optimistic about. I never get myself too excited about anything, so I'm not going to give too many details. But I will say that it is the best opportunity I've had to date, um, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. But yeah, I will say that people telling me no and haters 
fuels me mm -hmm. because it's always coming from a place of jealousy, right? Oh, I mean, I started doing voiceovers on my video and my interaction rates now have skyrocketed. So like, you know, I put the little voiceover on, you know, how the food is made and stuff like that. Interaction rates go crazy. My following has grown insanely since I've started doing it. But occasionally you're going to have people that leave comments like, oh, your voice is so cringy. Oh, <laughs> stop doing the woo at the end. And I'm like, yeah, let me listen to your one comment when I've noticed that everything has been working. So where did you just come up with, sorry to interrupt, but where did yeah. you come up with the, the woo? Because I, I, do, I do love the voiceovers. I love the yeah, voiceovers. It is, honestly, there's, it is something weird about just having the extra layer of content, but the woo at the end. It's, well, it's, it's like all, a very signature It's thing. all freestyle. Yeah. So like, it almost makes me, sometimes I feel like I'm like a rapper in the booth, right? Yeah, because like, you know, some rappers off like, uh, you know what I mean? For me, it's Yo Grub Fam. And then the ending of the woo is like, I know I nailed it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I crushed that woo. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. It's just like my little signature. It's, oh, no, so, it's, it's I, I was just curious if you like thought about it while you were doing it. Just, but so it just came. It happened a few times naturally, and then I just kept just going with it. with it. So like, for me, it's just kind of like that comfort zone of knowing at the end of it, I have that to hit. Well, and that ties back to the part where it's like, I feel like you are adding customer service to your content because now we're a part of it. And you're talking to us. You're you're working us through what we're looking at. Some people just like, this looks amazing. Well, what is that? What's that right. green leaf in that? Is that pesto? Exactly. So that is an amazing thing. Getting back to, you know, sifting through as your comments grow and your followers grow, you know, was there a moment in discourage, like as you're growing where it's just like there a comment, maybe it was from someone who was popular that like hit home or not really didn't have like one of those um, I've actually had a few people that I've noticed like consistently come back to my page to leave negative comments, um, which is crazy. And like even a few people from like Long Island where I'm like, yo, you're like so sad. Like I'm a young guy doing it from Long Island and you're sitting here hating. You yeah. know what I mean? Those people you just got to like brush off and laugh. And, yeah. you know, it's just like you're sadder than I can ever imagine. So it's like. It is what it is. I don't even know you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, I've encountered it a few times. I mean, some people get like really crazy and it's just like, I don't entertain it at all. Two years ago, I would like respond and I like, go back and forth. Now, if you leave a negative comment on my page, I delete it. But, There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's not going to live there. Yeah. I'm not going to entertain you. Like You just wasted your time feeling it, <laughs> putting it out there in the world, and it's going nowhere because it definitely doesn't bother me. You know? So... Yeah, that's annoying. And people see something and just like, it is jealousy. And it's just like, whatever they thought, and they just literally blurt it out. It's yeah. diarrhea of the, yeah. of the fingers, of the text. Yep. But yeah, that's, you know, obviously as you grow, there's, you know, those elements you have to deal with and power through. And that, that's on every, it's keyboard warriors, you know, like I'm sure that person would never say that to be like, hey Sal, you're fucking big yeah, song. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They'll never say that to you. See you in the street, like, I did Right, right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, my idea is like always pay attention to the love you know and ignore the hate that's what it comes down to and uh i think as long as you do that there's nothing that can really go wrong because people want to beat you down to their level and and keep you there yeah. just don't give them the time of the day you know right don't waste the energy no we're gonna assume that long island new york is the best food in the united states yeah is there a city that comes to mind though or a, a place in the united states and we'll get global in a little bit but that you think of where like, wow, if, if I lived here, I would be just rolling all the good food. Is there another spot? Yeah, uh, I actually go like two to three times a year to Charleston, South Carolina. Wow, um, It is a place that I just think has everything you could want. It's a two hour plane ride from New York. Uh, it has an incredible food scene, super dynamic food too. So you're talking like, yeah, you have the Southern cuisine, but it's getting mixed with all different elements, you know, and um, their cocktail scene is fantastic. You go out there and have drinks. People are super friendly. Uh, I've always loved Charleston. So I will say that uh, one of my favorite culinary cities in the United States is hands down Charleston, South Carolina. I know for the bar scenes. I don't know about the, the bar food. scene's great. The food is yeah. top notch. And if you okay. do go there, you have to go to Leon's. Uh, it's a fried chicken and oyster joint. So you go there, you have champagne, fried chicken, oysters, and then you have their sauce of ice cream at the end. That's just like amazing. That's, that's, just like, that's, a, hot, that's a hot yeah, That's a hot That's a great yeah, hot yeah. And their hotels in Charleston are fantastic. Yeah. So the hotel scene is also something that really sets it apart. Now, when as your business is growing, and I, I kind of want to talk about the, the fact that, like, you know, when restaurants look at you, they're looking at someone who knows, obviously, good food and good service. I want to talk about the service part because... 
uh, it's an obviously important part. But if you were to, you know, start up, uh, you know, you were in charge of uh, starting a restaurant from scratch, mm -hmm. and you needed to hire people to run your restaurant and to be servers and chefs, what are some of the qualities you were looking for to be, you know, a team member with with Sal? I would say that uh, if anyone wanted to be on my team, they would definitely need to start as being a team player, mm -hmm. um, but also take a super value interest in making themselves the best they could be. Mm -hmm. I think that um, you can only contribute to a team for how good you are. So make sure you're really good before you worry about anybody else. You know, and I think that that's where people a lot of times go wrong is they always have their eye on how somebody else is working rather than just taking a look inside to be like, I know what I have to do to be the, at 100%. Um, so get to 110% yourself and then worry about what the next person's doing. Because if you have a good management system, they're gonna see, hey, so-and-so is not doing this well. We need to make sure we fix that. But if they're looking at you, or are they looking at you looking at him? Yeah. That's what you gotta you know, ask yourself. So definitely that, um, I think kindness goes a long way, yeah. uh, but also knowing what your worth is. Mm. And that's whether any industry you're in, you always have to know your worth. Yeah. Uh, because people will always try to bring you down to a level of like not knowing exactly who you are. But if you know who you are inside, then no one can take you from that. So if I know I'm the best damn waiter in this restaurant, I'm going to be the best damn waiter in the restaurant, but I don't need to tell you that I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. I just know it myself. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any interest ever? I know you're doing great in your own venture right now. Any interest in opening your own restaurant? Or I had a few that I was going to open, actually. Okay. I actually was uh, about to sign papers to open up a spot, and then COVID hit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the partner that I was going to go in on that with... Um, is actually moving forward with the process and I'm just doing all the creative direction of it. Cool. Uh, for me, I, I know what I'm good at, um, which is content creation and food and stuff like that. I just don't know if I want to put my feet into that sect of it mm -hmm. because every time I talk to a restaurant, one of the first thing I say is never open up a restaurant. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. That, everyone. But then they also tell you that it's the best decision. They, you know, they love it. But for me, it's just that I know if I did that, it would take so much time it's and energy time away from what I'm it's doing. It's time commitment. Well, I'm not there yet, you know, maybe like in the future, sure, but as it stands right now, I don't think so. Maybe a ghost kitchen or maybe a collaboration with one of my clients, so it's like the Corrupt Father menu at Mario's Pizzeria, so it's like, you know, we have a certain, there's certain dishes that you can only get through that mm. menu, something like that, yes. That'd be awesome. Because I love creating recipes and, and things like that, but I what can't about like pop-ups like and things like that? A pop-up would be cool. I actually have, my, my big goal here, and I haven't told anyone this yet, my big goal is that next year, I want to have uh, GrubCon. Wow. And wow. I want it to be a uh, giant food festival on Long Island uh, in a definitely like premium location and it would just be like, you know, super great food, awesome music, amazing drinks and uh, uh, after parties and things like that and really just kind of like blow it out. That's yeah, my goal I for next year. That would, that would crush. Just because like it gives us smorgasbord vibes. Yes. And, yes. and, and like we all been together. We love smorgasbord. It was a, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a vibe. And like to have that on Long Island. Yep. Right, right at your home. It's yeah, because that's a New York City thing. When you think of Long Island, like festivals, there's a couple. When there's, there's a couple, they're yeah. more local, they do like, but they do yeah. more like main, I'm shut down Main Street, exactly. Like yeah. Alive After Five, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, things like that. Like at Montauk, they do like a Chowder Fest in September. I think they do, but like there's not like a there's not like a food. It's more like the Great South Bay Music Festival, Music Festival, which is like you know cool, and they, that has like the food truck yeah. element. This would be something like really big, though. Yeah, and I'm talking like maybe even do like some conferences for like creatives. Um, and just kind of like look to put that spotlight on Long Island um, because again, you know, I was in New York City for four years. I lived in Brooklyn. I started this company in Brooklyn, but when I decided to move to Long Island, it was because I've always had this idea, um, at least to get started, be a big fish in a little pond, not a little fish in a big pond. So, 100%. you know, nobody was doing food blogging on Long Island when I moved out here. Yeah. But I was coming from New York City where everyone had a food blog. So then I came out here, I got a huge Long Island audience, and then that kind of just like started it all. Yeah. I want to talk about some, a lot of your content has gone viral over the past years. What are some, I don't want to talk about the formula of a viral thing, but what are some of the things you notice that like, you know, th this is what Long Islanders love in terms of like in consumption of content. Cheese bowl. Everybody, <laughs> everybody loves cheese. Everybody loves big format food. Um, and everybody loves something that makes you say, wow. Mm. You know, and this is a advice for any content create, creator out there. Every, we are now in the age of the scroll, right? Mm. So you're sitting on your phone at nighttime in the morning when you wake up, halfway through the day, you are just scrolling, 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 scrolling. And, you know, I, I, I actually do a little test in my own head, like what makes me stop, right? And I pass by so much content because I'm just like, 
this is not captivating. This is not catch my attention. So my main thing is like when you get to my photo or my video, I want you to stop and, and look and take it in and register it. Because if I can move you from the photo to the caption, and if I could get you down to the end of the caption, I've done my job. Mm. And um, that's why I always try to ask questions in my captions because you know I'll get great responses from my audience and it's all responses that because they read the captions. And that's how I know it's an engaged audience. So that's kind of also too like when um, brands and PR companies reach out, they're always looking for people that have great interaction rates with their audience because um, it's not just about double tapping and liking, it's about being able to move the dial and make people move. And a lot of your content is viral worthy, but I remember one specific one, just like this like blew up. I think it was from Locale. Oh, yes. With the chicken parmala vodka. Yes. Oh my God, that was crazy. That was a moment, and you know what? That was actually, I have to be honest with you, a defining moment of my career. And even though it was only a few months ago, because um, COVID had hit and obviously everything got really awkward with content creation. I'm like, I gotta go into the kitchen now. I gotta, you know, I gotta start doing my recipes, which was fine. That was doing really well. But I definitely hit a point where I was starting to lose followers more than I was gaining them because, you know, everyone is just, no one wants to see my travel pictures from, you know, Hawaii and Monaco when we're all trapped inside. Yeah, at first it was like cool to get my mind away and see content from, the, you know, better times, but then people are like, go oh, fuck yourself. I don't want to yeah. see, you know, ocean blue waters while I'm trapped in my two by four of my Shih Tzu, you know? So um, I hit a point where I was getting really concerned about it. And then I started doing the voiceovers because um, I don't know if you guys know who Niche Cooks is. Ever seen his stuff? He's on TikTok, right? He, like, he's, he's on, on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a kid, yeah. So I, I, when I first saw his stuff, I was like, that's brilliant, you know? I was like, doing the voiceovers is great. He focuses more on, like, recipe creations. Um, and I reached out to him. I was like, yo, dude, like, you're killing it. I was like, I love what you're doing. I was like, um, you, know, he's, you know, he's only 20 years old and just yeah. killing it. Killin so he was like, you should start doing some voiceovers on yours. I was like, yeah, but I don't want to, like, bite your style. And he's like, no, like, go for it. So, you know, anytime I do talk about voiceovers, I like to just give him a little salute because it's... Uh -huh. You know, he really started that wave, um, and I definitely jumped on it, and uh, it worked out really well. But yeah. he's killing it too, so it's not any, yeah. any deal on anyone. But um, so I started doing the voiceovers and taking myself out of every single picture because I was looking at my content and I'm like, you know, there's a little part of your ego that wants to be in everything, right? Mm -hmm. I built this all up. I should be in the pictures. I should be with the food. And then I just was like, you know what? I think I have to take a step back and realize that people are here. A lot of the reason for the food, and, you know, maybe 75% food, 25% me, whatever it is. But I started putting the food first and then I hit that and I got 25,000 followers from that one post. Wow. Like my wow. analytics show it, 25,000. That brought me from 165 to, you know, what was it? 185, 190. Then I was like, wow, this format works. So I started doing more of the voiceovers, more of the just the food. My following just kept rising. Then I noticed that if I put pictures up of just me, I was getting more likes than I was in the past because people weren't seeing my face every day. It was like, all right, you know, they, they might really like me, they might like what I do, but maybe they don't wanna see every my day. face every day because yeah. I post every day. So it's all about finding what works for you, mm -hmm. what works for your audience, and it's always gonna be, um, a transition, you know, there's always gonna be different elements of what works sometimes, what works doesn't. You gotta keep an eye on the culture and see what people want. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. People follow you for a reason, obviously for you and the food, but you, within your own lane, you have to kind of diversify what you're posting. Uh, but like you said, now they're putting the voice to the to the face, right. to the name. So there's so many different elements where people are, you know, connecting with you. I did want to talk about travel and I want to talk about some of your, if you have, I know I'll kind of put you on the spot, but if you can think of like a top three or top five, you know, places you'd like to travel to. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Let's, let's Do you hear. places I've gone, well, like stop, that I love? Some places you've loved. Yeah. So there's a few places I go back to religiously. Mm -hmm. Charleston, South Carolina, Kauai, Hawaii, Amsterdam, and um, Lisbon. Portugal. Okay. Those are my four spots that are just like, and Sicily, I'm sorry, and uh, Sicily. Those five spots are just places that I think have great culinary scenes. Uh, and anytime that I travel to, I, I like to find a place that gives me equal amount of adventure and culture opposed to the food scene. Because you could go somewhere and yeah, the food's like really good and great restaurants, but it's not everything you can just do. You, right. know? you can't spend your whole vacation eating. Like you can, I have, but <laughs> you know, it's just to like add that extra element is really nice. Um, so those five spots, I would say in particular, are my favorite. I love Kauai. 
that's a place I think everybody needs to go to in, like in their life. Yeah. It's one of those places. Have you any, anyone to Hawaii? I've been to Hawaii, not Kauai though. I was on the main island in Maui. Yeah, and Maui's gorgeous. But, you know, Maui's like a touristy island, Mm -hmm. in a sense. You know, it's built such a great tourism scene for itself. And, you know, the road to Hana is great. But you go to Kauai and you're getting a real sense of um, Hawaii. It's dirt roads, you know, the... We're going to cut this out so no one goes to it. <laughs> <laughs> exclusive rights in there. There you go. <laughs> but it really is like one of those places that is just uh, amazing. So, yeah. And then Amsterdam is also just like one of those places I love. What about some places you like that you haven't been to? Your bucket list. Your list, your bucket list of Japan. Japan. Yeah. I need to go to Japan. Japan. Yeah. Um, I really want to go to Japan. I really want to go to um, South Africa. And I would say to get back to Thailand would be nice, but I've been there. I would say Japan is like really on my hit list right yeah. now. Japan's a great one. I, th- I think it's like one of the, it's like not, not like a secret, but it's like one of the like the most touristy spots in the world too. Oh yeah. You could go to so many different places. Yeah. You have There's Tokyo, so which is like the metropolitan. <laughs> then you have Kyoto, which is like super kind of like... Um, you know, rural and but still a city. Uh, their culture is absolutely On the, on the topic of Japan, where, where do you love to get Japanese food on Long Island? So I love Kotobuki. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's that? They have a bunch, uh, but I go to the one in Hapag and Babylon. Uh, Aji, I love their sushi. They have like more of, um, you know, Kotobuki is more tapped into that refined, peeled back, simple Japanese aesthetic, while Kotobuki's a little bit, uh, I'm sorry, Aji's a little bit more flamboyant, flamboyant. and, you know, the super, yeah. like, retro, metropolitan experience, so it just depends on the vibe you're looking for. Cool. Both have good sushi. I just recently got into sushi, I also recently got into, and I feel like this is, I don't know if this is new for for everyone, or just me, Pokey is kind of uh, our yeah. emerging scene. What, is, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Pokey is actually, uh, comes oh, from Hawaii. Hawaii, Hawaii, that's true. So I was eating Pokey a few years ago, and then I, I knew it was great, and then I kept saying to some of my Japanese clients, I was like, you need to do poke bowls. And they were like, no, we're not doing that. Like, whatever. I was like, oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> so there's, there's, and now it exploded, and yeah. it's crazy. But um, they're amazing. I love poke bowls. There was two, the brothers that opened Kai Pokey. Yes. There's two of them. They I've been there. It's really good. So they said they saw the lines in Manhattan, like, four, whatever, maybe six years ago. And they're like, what are all these people online for? Yep. And it's for poking. It's like, what the fuck yep. is poking? Yep. And then they, based on that, just the traffic in Manhattan, they were like, let's do this shit in Huntington. And Now go back to your earlier point of like Long Island food culture. And what do you have in every town? Three things that are true staples in every Long Island town. Pizza, bagel, have, Chinese? Well, you have, yes, pizza, bagel, Chinese, and sushi. And sushi. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. There's a good sushi spot pretty much in every kind of yeah. big town you go to. Multiple. Yeah, true. In the villages. Yeah, they have two or three. Yeah. And back to your point, too, you were saying how, you know, in a few years that people from the city are going to start filtering into the yeah. into Long Island, and the, the food culture is going to, you know, be way, more, way diverse, and it's going to blow up even more. You even see it now with, like, poke bowls and yep. unique restaurants with like, crazy burgers and crazy shakes. You're yeah. starting to see it on Long Island. Now, which is you're gonna awesome. see such a huge shift in culture yeah. because the city, um, the city got a huge humbling with COVID. You know, yeah. I mean, things in the city were crazy. It was you know prices were out of control. You know, shoebox for five thousand dollars a month in rent. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, no one's gonna go for that uh, at a certain point. So you know, COVID really did throw a, a really uh, unique wrench into that dynamic, and I think you're gonna see a lot of people, a lot of artists, and a lot of chefs go upstate to the Hudson Valley and they're gonna come out here to Long Island and you're gonna see these, our villages start to turn into a very um, interesting kind of dynamic. And to get back to your point about St. James is another good point because one of the most unique and um, amazing dining experiences that I've had on Long Island, and this can actually go down in the books as one of my favorite restaurants on Long Island is Mosaic. Mm, And uh, they have a tasting menu that changes pretty much daily. And you can't change it. You go there, you're getting the tasting menu. They give you a few options on certain things, but you go to Mosaic, you get the tasting menu, and you get the wine pairing with it, and it's like an experience. Yeah, I love I love when a chef just dominates. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking eating this. Yep. You're gonna no substitutions. Exactly. Shut the fuck up. There, exactly. there is something we said about the confidence of your food, and, and make and it's fun that way, too. It's like some people just kind of get a little bit anxious when they see like a Cheesecake Factory menu. It's like, well, on page 93, right. you can, <laughs> section E. Um, I wanted to take you through a couple scenarios. I'd be you know, silly not to. Dewey Decimal System. Dewey Decimal System. I'd be <laughs> silly not to ask you these, but I'm going to put you through some scenarios. You gotta tell me which food you're going for. Okay. Okay, so you're about to go. This is Saturday night. You're about to go out. You know you're gonna have a night of drinking. What is your prep meal or food you're gonna eat before you know you're gonna be drinking? Uh, it's gonna have to be, honestly, 
sometimes I have sushi before I go out. You know why? Because you get the rice as yes. a nice filler, but then it's also light, so I'm not going to feel like I'm going out with a bloated stomach. Um, so, you know, and it feels a little fancy. So, you know, sushi is always a nice, beautiful, nice one. Yeah. You think, I feel like I would used to think when I was younger, like sushi, then alcohol, like that's like equals vomit. Yes. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. It is like a perfect. Because for us, like growing up in New York and like American general, like sushi is a little bit like it's a foreign culture to us. So we're just like, well, this is new, and then I'm mixing new with alcohol. So it's like, will this sit? But now that we've realized that, it's actually a perfect yeah. compliment. Yeah, my stomach like is like very familiar with sushi. Like it's like, oh hey, how are you? <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> um, but also a burger does a gut oh. too. You know? Yeah. Um, so now, we, now it's like two thirty, and you're wobbling back home. What, what's what's something that kind of will bring you back into uh, a state of consciousness taco bell oh, i was yes. you're talking to the right people oh my god you don't understand i am the <laughs> biggest taco bell fan in the world can you get there with your eyes closed from your house at 3 a.m <laughs> yes <laughs> i know i can two lefts that's it two lefts and i, I will tell you this is that uh you know i love taco bell so much <laughs> it just does me right every time when taco when they do it good yeah. like when it's like hot and like you get the right you know the right team on back there it is so good. Now, did you? I don't know if anyone saw this, but uh, one of the biggest accomplishments I've had as you know my tenure as the corrupt father mm -hmm. has been um, getting an email that told me that Taco Bell headquarters wanted to work with me, and that they uh, wanted me to come to Taco Bell headquarters in California. They paid for my first class uh, plane ticket to and from California, put me up in a hotel in LA for two nights. It was a very nicely paid campaign. I will, you know, leave it there. Oh, one of my nice. biggest, one of my biggest yet, and I uh, was to promote their vegetarian menu that they had. Ah, and, makes me um, love Taco Bell even more. Yeah. yeah, I went into their headquarters, into the test kitchen. I did, you know, like my little fast forward videos of Taco Bell's test kitchen. <laughs> it was wild, and I mean, I've worked with a lot of brands, you know, um, even like McDonald's. Uh, they only follow, I think, like two or three hundred people. Yeah, you know, and they have millions of followers, and I'm one of them. Still, yeah, but I still haven't done a collaboration with them. I'm like, I'm like one of the only people you They're follow. Just but, yeah, I'm like, but, uh, where's the, uh, where's the collab? You know, the guys running their social media accounts like, fuck, do I love the girl? But listen, I also do love, I love McDonald's too, in a time and a place. Right. You know, if I'm traveling somewhere and uh, I'm in a city for really quick and I don't know where 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 to go and I have you know ten minutes. McDonald's does what it has to do sometimes. Yes, you know? it, fills, it fills a hole. It does. We were, uh, I was in Greece like a year and a half, two years ago, and it was fun. It was nice to see like the McDonald's menu in international yes. settings where there was a, a McGyro or something like that. that. It was, it was, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, let me put you through one or two more scenarios. So you're of Italian descent, right? Yes. Okay, so now for Italians and Long Island Italians, New York Italians, Sunday dinner is a big thing. Oh, yeah. So for maybe like a homemade meal, what is your go-to in terms of Italian cuisine? So, I mean, I would be, if we're talking Sunday, we're talking chicken cutlets, we're mm -hmm. talking, um, you know, Sunday sauce with pasta and meatballs, um, a good like Italian like kitchen sink salad, like, you know, oil and vinegar and, you know, some of the cut up meats. But I have a signature recipe that is actually uh, made and inspired by being Sicilian and my time in Sicily. Um, and it is a black squid ink pasta. That oh, so gets, you make this? Yeah, I make yeah, this. Yeah. Um, I don't make the pasta. I haven't made the pasta yet, though. I usually will get it from like, um, you know, like a super artisanal really? shop or mm -hmm. something like that. But then the sauce that I make is a crab ragu. So it is like a traditional red sauce with red wine in it and then a mm. shit ton of crab meat. Right. Uh, sometimes I'll put shredded shrimp in it too, but for the most part, it's just like lump crab meat and I let it simmer for hours. And then when it comes out, it's like thick, you know, and I don't call sauce gravy, but I would, this is, this is like gravy. gravy. Yeah. This is like very stewy gravy. And it is honestly like, um, that's too bad. Like one of the best things I've ever done. I feel like that's a great <laughs> change up to the, you know, the three meats of, you know, the Sunday sauce. It's, it's, mm, yes. I, I like the seafood elements. Though. There's usually, well, it's, you know what it's a hit for? Uh, Christmas. Christmas. Season. That sounds seven fishes. Okay. So that's always one of them. Since I started making it, my family like, let me have that. <clears throat> so let's say I go off your page for recommendations a whole lot. So if I'm saying Sal, I'm taking my wife, my girlfriend, a hot date, someone special, and I'm, I want to go Italian, where, where are you sending me? Uh, I'm going to say that you should check out uh, a few places. Let's go through that. We have, if you want something like a steakhouse, Vittorio's Italian Steakhouse in Amityville okay. is a great option because, you know, you can have steak. 
you can have pasta. They do it all really good. And their outdoor dining situation is pretty nice too. Um, ITA and Bayshore, it actually stands for Italian American. So they're doing all different types of like, um, you know, traditional Italian dishes, but kind of elevating it a little bit. And the chef there is like really cool and he just loves trying out different things. I ate there last night, had an incredible ricotta gnocchi. Delicious. Um, I love gnocchi. Jesus Christ. The Trattoria, like I was telling you in St. James. Uh, Pentimentos in Stony Brook, really good. Uh, What else? Il Giordino out east, my parents have been raving about. Ivan Gombo, like the only people who I would trust with not actually eating the bread is my parents. Yeah. And they swear by it. So um, Il Giordino out, out east. Uh, Rob Keys in Northport. Rob Keys. You know, they're, they've become a huge name of Long Island Italian eating. And for good reason, they have great food. Have you ever been to Orto? No. So Orto is, you should check it out. That's also in Rocky Point, one of those okay. further out east. But Sounds familiar. Orto, they have like, it's cash only. It's like an old farmhouse kind of converted into Ooh, a... Love that. They have like really creative weekly kind of menu. So that place, I, that's one of my favorite restaurants. Definitely in Suffolk. But Orto. Orto. Right. Orto, yeah. So now I got two good, <laughs> solid recommendations. I'm, so I, I, I'm I, pretty I, confident. I, 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 I have a full... You better block it if they <laughs> I want you to help settle this for us. And what you say next is what is going to decide my fate if I'm going to give this another shot. Okay. So supposedly duck on Long Island is supposedly a, like a big oh, yeah. thing on Long Island. Yeah. But um, I had it once. I won't even describe it. I'll let you th- get your thoughts on it. What you, should I give it another shot? Yes. Okay. 110%. Okay. Um, I think that duck is something that is very interesting, especially for Long Island, because we are home to some of the best duck meat yeah. out there. Uh, and now, I mean, you're saying you're a little hesitant about duck breast. I don't even know if we can go into foie gras. You know what that is? <laughs> no. no. I think it's it's, it's liver. Yeah, it's, it's the liver. liver. Duck liver. But they go down the duck's throat to get it. It's a very inhumane process of how it is harvested, I will say. Okay. Um, it's banned in Jersey or something? It's definitely banned. It's just Jersey. It's just Jersey. Everywhere else, it's so very good. I guess it's banned. I mean, it's French. It comes in a few different ways. You can get it, like, pan-seared, or it comes in, like, a pate. I like it way better, I guess, the sear. And, you know, I've had it a bunch in France. And they do it really well there. Had it in some great places here on Long Island, but you definitely need to give duck another chance. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will. I will. The first time I had it, I think it was probably the only time, which I should give it another shot, especially since it's like a staple in Long Island. But it, it tasted a little bit. I don't even know if it's the right word. Maybe like fishy or gamey. Gamey. You know gamey, what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's got it. You know what? The other thing too is when you're eating something and you know what it is, and it's so unusual for you. Breaking that barrier in your head is very tough. You know, that happened with me when I went to Australia and they served us kangaroo pie a day after bringing us to a kangaroo sanctuary to play with babies. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, this, I, you know, I was gagging while I was eating it. I'm sure if I didn't know what was in it, I would have never had that impression of it. But I think that when you have in your head, like, I see these, you know, ducks swimming in the pond. Like, right. not to say that they're like, you know. Super cute, but they're like kind of cute. Yeah, you know, and it's just like sad. Yeah, it is. that's what I was explaining to him. Like, dude, I had duck empanadas from Rum. Oh, okay. And, and they were delicious. But then while I'm eating, I'm like, dude, it's just that idea. It's like fucked yeah. up. It's like, yeah, these are ducks. Like, I probably fed this duck at one point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Now I'm eating him. So it's just like it tastes amazing, but it's just like that. Like you said, something it's like unusual. Like yeah, exactly. So, it comes yeah. with reps. I feel like literally, like it's yeah. not like a sports term, but it's like almost like when you have it, it comes normalized. It's like muscle memory. One hundred ten percent. But I will tell you that duck, if it's done right, is fantastic. Mm. Better than chicken if it's done right. Yeah. And I'm a huge chicken fan. What is some of the crazy things that you've tasted that you were surprised? Like I can't believe I actually like this, like a kangaroo pie or something mm-hmm. like that. Is there another thing? Well, that I hate the kangaroo. Oh, okay. Nobody, listen. If you're listening to this, do not eat kangaroo. <laughs> they are cute animals yes. that do not deserve to be eaten. Um, but what I will say as far as things that I've liked, you know, I will tell you, uh, this goes back to earlier on, is oysters, mm. right? I feel like it's something very hard for people to get onto, like sushi, right? It's like raw fish, raw oysters. That gets a little bit tricky. I, I have a hot take on it. I'm sorry. I'll let you finish. But there's, if you fry an oyster, I'm so anti-fried oysters. Yeah, oysters. I'm not a huge fried oyster guy. Okay. So, all right. Is this your best one? Listen, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I've had good ones, but it's just not something I would prefer. Like, if you have the choice between a fried oyster and a raw oyster, I'm going with a raw oyster every time. Yeah, agreed. You know? I mean, given, like, 
you get these like weird instances where like the oysters bad and you get like terrible food poisoning like, that happened to me. Oysters was definitely one of those things for me and clams, like raw clams, yeah. um, where it's just like, wow, I never anticipated that I would want to just like crush dozens of these in one sitting, you know? Yeah. I'd always be like, oh, like, I tried one, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, give me a ball. Yeah. So. Do you think it's more the accoutrements or is it more the actual oyster? Because I, I, if you've ever been to Salt texture. Barrel, they have like some crazy like horseradish stuff. Horse horse oh, stuff. I love yeah. all that stuff. Well, give me that, all of that. I'm yeah. all into If my that, face yeah. isn't puckering, then like, I, yeah. I, I, I want, it's like a sinus cleanse. Yes. When you do, uh, um, when you do yeah, uh, the, horseradish. The texture is like a thing that I've, the more I've eaten oysters, the more I'm like, you know, this is actually cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. But and also it. even like getting the regional aspects of it. Like, you know, that's something about like wine and oysters and honey that it's like wherever you are in the world, it alters, mm-hmm. you know? So that's something that's really cool too. And especially when you go to a place like Charleston um, and at Leon's, you can get oysters from all over the world right there at that one spot. I mean, when I'm there, I usually eat the ones that come from South Carolina mm-hmm. because it's like regional. But there's something to be said about northern oysters or oysters that come from California or Oregon. They just have like um, all different types of flavor profiles, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I do love that about places that like specifying oysters. They'll give you like a breakdown of like this is like I know Oregon has good oysters in Maine and and even on Long Island. But I love the the description. Like to me, it's just kind of like obviously I eat all of them and I, I don't even know if I taste the difference, but... I do like the No, you like the trying. Food. It's yeah. kind of the information. It's like yeah. on the, the inverse of that, you know it's stuck and it's kind of skews you out, but you know a little bit more positive about it. It's kind of a, a better experience. You yeah. kind of get more detail. It like empowers you when you're eating 100%. it. hundred percent. You know, you feel fancy and you know. Uh, I, I don't know if you've, uh, I'm sure you have, you're the grub father, I know you've been through <laughs> a, a lot of places in Long Island, but what, Panjog's a big area for us because we've seen the progression from when Panjog was an area where it didn't have a lot of uh, restaurants. Now it's like a hub in terms of like people, you know, and social life and nightlife and food. Have you taken notice of that progression and what are your thoughts on some of the moves down there? Yeah, so Panjog is awesome. Um, and I actually think that it's one of the most interesting Long Island villages because of the fact that you have such big restaurants there. It's not like you have these little mom and pop shops or mm-hmm. anything like that. You're talking like you, know, you walk into a place like Rum or Locale um, and, and, or the meatball sh- place. Yep. Mm-hmm. Meatball place, mm-hmm. yeah. Meatball place. And it's like a gigantic place because they're accommodating this nightlife scene, right? Mm-hmm. But you can get the food and the food's really good too. So that's what makes Patchogue really unique in the sense that that nightlife is so strong there. Um, but I think it's something to be said too about like the South Shore of Long Island in general. Right? There's, the South Shore has taken such um, steps to come into its own, where the North Shore has always been very prominent. You know, yes. It was known as the Gold Coast, where you know, Gatsby was apparently filmed mm-hmm. after. You have mansions all over there. The South Shore has always kind of gotten this blue-collar vibe. Gritty rep. Mm. Not a bad rep, per se, but a gritty rep. And I think that um, what we're seeing now in places like Babylon Village, Bayshore, Patchogue, is like we're getting um, really cool places that you can spend a whole night in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to revitalize the South Shore quite a bit. And it's already happening. Like, it's, you know, we're well into that. But I say moving on in the future, um, and then you have Fire Island right across the bay. And, ferries you know, ferries and everything like that. So, I don't know. I think South Shore is kind of like um, doing some big things for itself. And places like Patchogue are definitely Bay leading Shore. that march. Yeah. So, talking about Bay Shore, the revitalization, I mean, there's just restaurants coming up and... You do a lot of savory stuff. I, I don't see quite the sweet tooth on your page, but there's now that Nofudoku is there. Mm-hmm. Have you have you checked it out? Or have you? I've had their donuts before. Okay, um, and they were really good. Yeah, yeah, I definitely and you know even for me, I just love seeing um, these like local Long Island places doing it. Like even like subtlety. Um, like the tea company from Long Island, uh, Blue Point Brewery, Mm -hmm. just seeing all these different things that are coming from our island. Because Long Island does get a bad rep outside of Long Island, right? Everyone thinks everyone here is like either a bigot or like, you know, we're all just like talking like this, you know? like, And it's like, that sucks. And actually some of the most uh, amazing comments that I've gotten and feedback from people is like, I never knew Long Island could be like this. You know, I never knew that there was this stuff on Long Island. So just to be able to show people that and like be like, hey, look, we are on an island and beyond my page too like just the beach shots and mm, yeah. you know all these different things we have we have fire island we have montauk we have the north fork um you know i just love seeing these artisanal places opening up so yeah a place like uh it's north fork Nofo Doko. Nofo Doko. 
So that's it's a mouse hole. Yeah, but like places like that is really great just to see people doing things with food that um, it's not. We're not going to Dunkin' Donuts for that. We can right. go to a local spot. Well, yeah. we go to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> oh, listen, I mean, they're beyond sausage sandwich for breakfast. Is one big Dunkin' Donuts advocate. <laughs> but we we do like our uh, local spots. We always support them. I wanted to talk about since we got uh, a little bit of summer left. Um, what what's your go to beach spot? I want to incorporate like Hamptons, Montauk. Fire Island, Island. like what out of those main ones or the main spots, what's your go to? Um, you know what? I have been spending a lot of time at the pool. Yeah. Um, just to be honest. Yeah. Uh, not because I'm like scared of beaches or anything like that, but. I just I love the pool. Yeah. I, I'm not into huge crowds yeah. as it is. So for me, I'm just like you know, you get the same sun. The water's right there. That's I know true. there's no sharks in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the flip side too, I actually recently just discovered like places like Fire Island Pines because you know I came out uh, last year. I came out, but then just to all my followers, it was about a month ago. Um, so it's like interesting now because now I'm not like going there and I'm like, oh no, like somebody gonna like see me and know I'm gay. Like now I'm just like, I don't give a shit. But like, you know, so I've been in that area is really cool too. And it's just like a vibrant place to like party and have fun. So whether or not you're like straight or gay or anything, you go there and have a good time. Yeah. I prefer Cherry Grove or the Pines. The Pines. Pines. Yeah. I mean, Cherry Grove is cool, but there's just a little bit of like, um, you know, I just like the Pines better. I'll leave it works all throughout Fire Island and you know they all have their own kind of uh, stereotypes each each oh, yeah. little thing yeah well Cherry Grove is more like you know PG I could say that <laughs> you know and the Pines is more like just a little bit more uh, if it's not as much like LGBTQ which is more like gay Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's great. So for me, even when I came out, I wanted to do it in a way that wasn't just like, hey, guys, like, I'm gay. I <laughs> wanted to be, actually be meaningful. You did it um, in Pride Week, right? I did it on Pride Week, but I, I donated $500 to the Trevor Foundation or the Trevor Project, uh, which actually aids in, like, LGBT youth, um, like, not committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I recognize, like, when I came out, it was such, like, I don't want to say it, was, it wasn't easy, per se, but my family was so accepting and yeah. like, my friends were so great and I had such an easy time transitioning into the community and I just know it's not the case for everyone. Very Some cool. people yeah. struggle so hard. They, you know, they kill themselves. They, they have so many different experiences. So just to get back to that was great. And I actually worked with the Pines to do that. So again, it was like collaborating with some another organization on Long Island that's so iconic in that world. Yeah. Um, and then to give it back to a great cause was, you know, it's just cool. it's really cool. good for me. Yeah, that was that was really super cool that you came out on and social media, um, allowing people to kind of, you know, from a neighbor perspective, we always talk about this, but from I see a Long Islander uh, take that right. step and have people reach out to you for in support and. Yeah, the support was honestly overwhelming. Like yeah. I would have never have seen that coming because to be honest with you, I had, I was, I was at 199,000 followers when I was like, all right. And I was like, all right, this will go one of two ways. <laughs> I was like, I'm yeah. not either gonna like go whoop and just like lose a shit ton of followers. Not to say that like, you know, you just get nervous. I don't Ooh, think people yeah. are like that, but you just never know. Um, and then I did it and it, the support was crazy. And then I gained like, I don't know, like they got almost, yeah, I'm at 225 now in a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that people really appreciated the authenticity. Mm. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, I call my audience the Grub Fam because I see us all as one big community that's like a family, right? Like we're all eating together. We're all going through this experience together. Like, you know, you said, like welcoming people into my life. Yeah. And this is a big part of my life. And I'm not going to just hide it or like, you know, just brush it off to the side because you have to be proud of who you are and representative of who you are because that's what makes people um get past stereotypes they have right you know so it's uh, it's an, it was an, it was very interesting i will say that and then you know on the flip side too if we're talking like social justice and all of that um even when i did my segment black owned on long island mm-hmm. that was for me uh, a really important thing for me to do because i worked with a lot of um black and brown owned businesses mm-hmm. but i never really understood what it meant to be repre- what representation means in media right so like you know but then when i even like coming out and all that type of stuff I was just like, wow, it is so important to put it out there that there are black-owned businesses on Long Island. Yeah. And they're really great ones, too. Yeah. So um, that's just been, like, really great, too. And, you know, just I, I think that we're coming into a day and age of people wanting to be more inclusive and to understand other people's journeys. And that's what social media has kind of opened up to us. So, you know, it's just, I think, a sign of the times of everything. You yeah. know? And here we are. 
100%. When you're looking back and let's say you're retired from everything and people are running your company for you and you get to sit back, what are some of the things that you want people to say that define your legacy? What are some of the words that you'd hope people use to describe Sal? So, um, have you heard the song, I Did It My Way? Yes, yeah. of course. That's my song. You know, yeah. like that is how I like like to live my life is just that um, I can I've drawn so much inspiration from, you know, people, whether it's you know people from the past, people that I, I see on the Internet now. Everyone gets inspiration from everyone. But I, I always take pride in doing things my own way with my own vision. Um, and everything you see on my page has been creatively directed by me. I think that just to be able to look back at my legacy and say that I carved out my own path and I built my own road and you know if someone shut a door I built my own that for me has been kind of like um the one thing I would love to be known as that's awesome yeah Sal thank you so thank much you for stopping this by awesome. it's been absolutely this has been a blast yeah I'm still fanboying here still fanboying <laughs> if you're on Instagram you better go ahead and follow the Grub Father and uh, check it out. Join the Grub Fam. It's a great journey to be on, right, guys? Oh, 100%. Dude, take it from someone who's been following you for over a year now. It's probably one of my favorite, if not the favorite, oh, thank you. food page. You know it's your favorite because when you reload your phone, it comes up to the top. Cause <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Like yeah. Dude, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, wait till you see what I, what I dropped tonight. Ooh. It's yeah. a, a beefy, cheesy mac and cheese <sighs> empanada. That I created for Pentacana Grill. I think uh, Molly may just never leave his room. He's going to start that phone. I'm literally not going to sleep tonight until you post it. He loves empanadas. I love empanadas. Yeah. I wish I could bring you guys some food, but it's been a crazy day. No, for him. We will definitely have to feast together sometimes. Oh, 100%. Hopefully, hopefully, um, what is it, GrubCon? Yes. Hopefully GrubCon happens, man. We are, we'll be literally camping We'd now. We'd love to be <laughs> participants, yeah. facilitators. I'd watch from the outside. We're going to have you guys doing a live segment there. Oh, that'd be yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah, dude. You guys are definitely going to host something. There. For sure. That'd be amazing. Yeah. GrubCon. The GrubCon. And then, you know, there's a couple of things that are in the wings that, you know, we'll be silently rooting for you. If something happens, let us know. We'd love to oh, kind of spread the word, but follow on the GrubFather. And then you have a, you have like a uh, personal slash like travel page, right? Yeah. So that's uh, Salmi's World. Awesome. So that's more of, you know, that's just like stuff I can't, I wouldn't want to post on Grub. Right, right. Just like it's more personalized and travel based. Yeah. Both great pages though. Thanks, man. The Grub Father was in the building. It's official. It's the warm up podcast. Peace. 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 Peace.